are listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Is there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Boy, do I need a Dr. Batar today. I, I, Dr. Batar, I cannot be held responsible for anything I say today. I've got travel brain. I've got moving brain. Last hour, I had Dr. Newsom, who you know, Daniel Newsom. He's up in Idaho, and I kept saying he's in Montana. But then again, I hadn't been to either of those states, so I don't know the difference. My apologies. <laughs> well... I uh, will try to do the best that I can, Robert. Here, here comes all the hate mail from the people in Montana and Idaho now. No, I'm sure it's perfectly lovely. <laughs> there. Great thing. All three people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh more oh hate mail. Gosh. Okay. All right. Yes, we don't hold back. We don't hold back. It's advanced medicine. Why should we? Medicalrewind.com. If you ever miss a show with Dr. Bittar, great topics that we have today, to, including a couple of questions of the day, if we can get to them. Uh, but, Dr. Batar, I thought we'd start with, you were in the Middle East recently, and you've traveled there many times, and I remember a few years back they came out with this thing called Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, or MERS. It was kind of like the sequel to SARS, which was severe acute respiratory syndrome that they wanted to blame on a coronavirus, and nobody was looking at what I brought up here, and I'm not the only one, to say, hey, what are they breathing, right? Are they are they just spewing toxins in the air in South Korea? Could it be that the old people that are frail already are dying from pollution? Yeah, well, pollution is just one part of it. And then we start looking at the onslaught of the uh, vaccination, the, the incidence of vaccinations. And um, so I, I don't know what that is in Korea, but I do know that, for example, after the uh, the CDC released the data on the, if you remember, before the NHANE study was released, there was this discussion about thimerosal, how it may not be the best thing to put in vaccines as a preservative. So the CDC recommended, they didn't mandate it, but they recommended that pharmaceutical companies no longer use thimerosal in the vaccines uh, in the multi-dose vials. And so there was this huge, huge surplus of vaccines that they had, which they started exporting to China. And before this, I believe in 2003 or 2004, there was no, there was no reported cases of autism that were in the in the you know five or six digits. But within one year of that surplus being exported to China, there were a million new documented cases of autism in China. And you probably remember this, Robert, when we started covering the when we started the show about five years ago, yeah. we talked about the lead toxicity from the toys that were being exported from China back into the U.S. Yes. And you remember we thought we it was payback. It. Yeah, the Chinese were just repaying us for what we did to them. That's why they were sending back toys with lead, because we'd send all these vaccines with mercury. With so, mercury, yeah. Yeah, so I don't I don't know what the, you know, I'm making a extrapolation there. We, you know, we're talking about specifically China, but in this particular case, they're talking about other countries like South Korea and Saudi Arabia and some of these other aspects. Sure. Of the other well, countries. Dr. Batar, South Korea adopted America lock, stock, and barrel, if you will. You think about the Korean conflict, the police conflict, sometimes called the Korean War. Um, 
the, the South Koreans, I mean, they became a, a, a colony of America in a sense, and they adopted everything that we did. And because of that, I think outside of America, they have the highest, I think the highest rates of autism because they have ad- adopted every bit of the vaccine schedule in that country. So it makes sense to me that if they're going to see respiratory diseases or other things on the rise, the onslaught on top of whatever's polluting the air, uh, the vaccines are a big issue there. And Seoul is a very, very polluted city. I mean, the, it's it's very, I don't know if you've been there, but I was stationed in Korea for a year. Mm-hmm. And even back then, that was twenty over 20 years ago, uh, 92, 93. So we're talking at that time, it was very polluted. Uh, beautiful country, but Seoul was very polluted. And relatively speaking, I'm sure there's a lot of countries that are a lot worse, but there's so much industry in certain areas. And so there was there was a combustion of fossil fuel aspect. That's just because of so many cars, so many vehicles in, in, a, in one locale. But when I read this particular story, Robert, the thing, of course, that stands out is the last line. Yes. The new fatalities were aged in their 80s mm-hmm. with pre-existing health problems, according to the Ministry of Health. So the question <laughs> is, how did they actually determine that it was this Middle East Respiratory Syndrome that was responsible for their death and not their pre-existing health mm-hmm. problems. And let's even eliminate the pre-existing health problems. Again, I'm not trying to be facetious here, but actually I am. Mm-hmm. They're in their 80s, for God's sake. So the average lifespan for a male, I mean, if you hit 72 and for males, you hit your, uh, actually, that's not the average. I think that's supposed to be the the. What, is that the average? I don't even remember now. What this, the well, average? I think it, it's crept up, but again, in Asia, you, you tend to have people that will live much longer because of the, the, the more the ancient uh, natural lifestyles. But, of course, those that have adopted the Western food, the Western everything, uh, I think they have, have declined in their expectancy, life expectancy of males there. So, yeah, if you're in your 80s in South Korea, uh, you've done pretty well. And if you're dying of a pre-existing or with a pre-existing health problems and you're going to blame it on the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, uh, I, I think that there's a lot of things that you need to be asking. Yeah, and of course they're going to use this as another false flag event to try to justify more vaccinations against another mm-hmm. uh, virus. And you know, oh. it's 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 so predictable now. Almost there's going to be another flu, another virus, another this, another that, another Ebola, another whatever they're going to create to give more justification to do more things to the body preemptively under the pretense of public safety, whereas, in fact, it's, I believe, um, not that I'm a conspiracy uh, theorist, I'm a conspiracy (laughs) realist. You you see stuff and you connect the dots. Yeah, I mean, there are more and more people that are out there that are not getting vaccines, and these are the same people that said, you know, I should get the flu and I should get the flu vaccine. I stopped taking the damn flu vaccine and I'm not sick anymore, and I'm doing a lot better. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting about MERS as well, as I relate it back to SARS, that was out of Canada or China and and all the places it went, that they initially, you know, as far as you ask the analysis, how do they determine it indeed was the cause of death? Well, they used that high-tech, let's say, uh, sensitivity kind of thing with uh, the polymerase chain reaction, PCR. And although it can identify something you may have encountered in the past, that you have to use PCR to find something tells you, you know, you're taking a scrap of unknown genetic material, a fragment, if you will, and amplifying it millions and millions and millions of times to say we've found the cause of infectious disease and in your death. And it's like, no, if it was the cause, you would not have to go to such extraordinary uh, measures or lengths to identify it. Yeah, that's a very, very good point, Robert, and I'm glad you brought it up because these type of analysis, PCR, it's not going to give you causation. 
It's just going to show you whether or not there was a signature of something mm-hmm. that, that, was in, that the person had been exposed to, but it is not causation. And pretty much you can look for a signature of pretty much anything that the person's encountered in their life, and you are going to find it. Causation is a totally different animal. Yes, exactly. And I think that's so important because the medical reporters out in the mainstream media do not do their jobs. They don't ask questions like we do. So they just assume if if somebody from a government agency, the CDC or the WHO, declares it's a MERS uh, pandemic, you know, the media immediately parrots and trumpets a MERS pandemic. And where is the investigative journalism besides what we're doing or John Rappaport or, or Cheryl Ackeson? that actually acknowledges and said, hey, there's a problem here. We need to dig a little deeper. Well, of course, that's, that's not part and parcel of the game that's played. So the media has one agenda, and that's to perpetuate the information that they're being fed as being the gospel and the truth, and nothing else um, is factual. So, you know, it's, it's not surprising, and that's, I guess, one reason that... Um, Information, and as we've said so many times before, information leads to knowledge, and knowledge uh, is empowering. And once you're empowered, mm-hmm. then you're able to heal, and that's why you know the power to heal is yours is our slogan. And I think that it's a very, very appropriate and and a strongly resonating message. I I love that power to heal is yours because mm-hmm. it all comes back down to being becoming empowered with that knowledge that hopefully we are imparting on the listeners. I, I just It's a great reminder, and as I've said it so many times, and I, I say it every hour, I don't get tired of it. I thought others might get tired of it, but it is just a good reminder. It's sort of like you, you find something that really strengthens your resolve or brings a little bit of energy back into your life and, and a little bit of, if it's hope or if it's a, it's a, it's a reality in terms of uh, what you're connecting to. It, 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 these affirmations are few and far between in the media, so if we can do a little bit of it uh, you know, once a week with you, of course, it, it's, it's just a wonderful thing. I totally agree with you, Robert. I totally agree with you, and, and we all need reminders. We all need reminders in all aspects of our lives, in living the the right way, in, in um, following the principles that have led to good health. Sometimes we deviate. We all tend to, as humans, uh, sometimes deviate off the right path. And, and so getting a good reminder is always good and, and reawakening the passion. Um, sometimes you take things for granted, and I know I personally have myself, I take uh, good health for granted, and then when there's something simple, something simple that happens, you take it, you realize, you know, what a blessing it is. Um, I, I actually ended up breaking my foot, um, the stress fracture, while putting up some fence. It was a 600-pound roll of uh, fencing that one of my guys, his hand almost got caught. Oh, man. And I put my foot underneath it to keep it from hitting his hand, but I just, you know, I didn't think it was going to do what it did but oh my goodness I, I couldn't walk for maybe you know a couple of minutes but after that i was able to bear weight and everything's fine i thought i was just going to be bruised and that night it was black and blue but not a big deal i was still able to walk on it and then boy after the third day it got more and more difficult it's been about a week and a half now and i can't run well yeah. i probably run but i can't i, I don't want to make it worse but the point is i didn't even think about you know how when i run it, it i just i just do it i hate running but i do it because i know how <laughs> Doctors, I know good, good it is for me, but just a right. simple thing like that, an injury makes you realize, you know, we we got to take the time that's necessary to do the things that are right so that we our bodies can stay in the right yeah. place, our minds can stay in the right place, etc. I really believe every once in a while an acute something, and that's an injury, an acute injury, is there if, if we listen to serves to remind us to do exactly that, to be so grateful for the full functionality of the body that you're given. 
uh, and then maybe you value it more so that you want to do the things that will continue seeing it function well into the 80s and beyond. Like I said, I, I give a hat tip to my mom at 81 going out dancing. And if she's hurt, she calls me, and then she applies the lot, you know, the things that I've learned in my young life and that you've learned, Dr. Batar, that we get to share together each and every week here as we go and do some advanced medicine. MedicalRewind.com, of course, the international bestseller, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. That's your reminder to get that book if you haven't already. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. We've got a lot more stories to cover, including uh, subsidies to the health care crisis. You want them to continue or not? The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. All right, tomorrow evening, live from our Thomas Deluxe Organic Eatery on Peachtree Street in Atlanta. Uh, Dr. Batar, I wish you were there with us. And then ne- and a few days later, we'll be up with our good buddy Ty Bollinger at the uh, International Association for Colon Hydrotherapists in, uh, um, well, Nashville. Did you know that uh, your buddy Ty was a colon hydrotherapist? I did not, but, you know, because he's so full of crap, it's not... Uh... <laughs> it's appropriate. Oh, I, you know, Robert, that was <laughs> a shameless setup. I, I just... I mean, come on. I got to give one <laughs> you know each what, time. You know, I know people aren't going to believe that that was not pre-planned, but I know that was an alley-oop. You just set me up for that again. <laughs> I guess. It was an alley-oop slam dunk for Dr. Vitar. And, and, of course, Ty, now he feels loved by you. So, uh Hey, uh, let's see, what else? Um, oh, yeah, we're on the verge of uh, the Supreme Court may rule against the subsidies. We don't know which way it's going to go. Um, the state exchanges that were not set up, and so it could be ruled unconstitutional. Um, you know, I'm not pleased when people are, are, are dependent upon something and it's yanked out from under them. But, again, the whole idea that the government can provide for you health care is something that uh, I think uh, it's a little bit of an absurdist notion. It's disease management at best. Uh, but there's a story here that says one in five want to see health insurance subsidies eliminated. And the question is, is it because four out of five are on them? I mean, who wants to vote? Yeah, stop giving me free money. <laughs> yeah, that's a really, really good point. You know, this comes up to the same thing about uh, elections and um, the the people that are being subsidized. And you start getting buses and renting buses to get these people that are um, – wherever they are, they, they, they're not working, but then you get buses, you round those people up that are getting governmental handouts, they, you bring them in to vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, which way are they going to vote? They're going to vote the way that uh, individuals uh, would be expected. You know, man is, man is uh, an animal that if he's apathetic and he's rewarded for apathy, just like any other animal, um, the, the, you, you, get, you do what... There's an old adage, and that is you reward desired behavior. So if the desired behavior from, say, the current administration is apathy, then and they're rewarding that behavior, then, of course, that's what they're going to get. Sure, because sure. Because they're going to respond to that, um, to that reward. And uh, just like a dog, if, you, if a dog's growling and you pet it and say, oh, poor little dog, and the, and the dog's going to learn to growl and that that's okay, and then people wonder, well, why is the dog growling at me? Because you just rewarded that behavior. Mm. So... It's one of those things that um, the four out of five, as you just said, you know, 
I, 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 it makes me, it makes me want to laugh and makes me want to say certain things that I know is not going to be appropriate. Probably yeah. too bad, too bad that, uh, Don, you probably have to censor me. I mean, they wouldn't be bad <laughs> words, but you'd probably definitely have to censor me. So, <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, it, it kind of reminds me back when when Ron Paul was running for president, and he had a plan out there, and he was saying, "Here's how we save the economy: we got to cut this and cut this and cut this, get rid of this, and we stop doing this." And it was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. But there is no way the American public is going to vote to get rid of all of the, you know, the subsidies and the services and the assistance and all that stuff because it's become so ingrained in our society that there's like this sense of entitlement that's just like built in that people aren't going to vote to give. Oh, yeah, sure. I don't want this money for this and that money for that. And I'll give it my house and I now I have to pay for my own food. It would never happen. It's just not realistic. Yeah, the sense of entitlement is now generational. Yes, yes. And I, I was thinking, too, the, uh, uh, some proposals to stop people from voting if they're on welfare, and I know that's uh, not, not politically correct to say it, but I would add I don't that. That will never happen. Not. I don't no, I, never, why this never. is not politically correct. It's a, it's, a, it's a fundamental privilege, just like it's a privilege to live on the beach, or it's a privilege to drive a fancy car. It's a privilege mm-hmm. for good health. It's not a right. No, if you it's not a right. work and you contribute to society, then you should have the right to make uh, your opinion count, whether you're a male or a female, no matter what ethnic culture or creed or religion you are. It makes no difference. The fact is, if you're a productive member, you get to contribute. But it doesn't make any sense. It's politically not considered right, but I don't understand why it's not politically right. that it's not politically right. Well, Let the me, people on assistance are a huge voter block. Sure. That's the reason why well, the left, happen. The leftists, but I will add this to the equation. If you work for a corporation that also gets a subsistence from the government, it's corporate welfare, then you don't get the vote either. Okay, so I made I made the right the right side of the equation <laughs> mad, too. I like it. In your faces, right? All right, stick around. we got lots more healing to go. we got a couple of really important questions of the day also. What about copper deficiency that doctors don't get as they give you more zinc? Also, extreme exercise, can it lead to blood poisoning? We got that and a lot more to go. It's advanced medicine. Go to medicalrewind.com if you miss it. The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. All right, if you're not sure how to get the nine steps to keep the doctor away, just go to the show notes today, click them open, and you'll see a nice image of the book. You can just click on it. It'll take you right there. As well as medicalrewind.com if you ever miss a particular show with Dr. Bittar. It's the easiest way to get it in addition to our syndicator, GCN, and Natural News Radio, and iTunes, and Stitcher, and TuneIn, and Epic Times, and UK Health Radio. Hello, jolly hello to the listeners in Great Britain. Now, Dr. Bittar, uh, before we get to the extreme exercise uh, question, the uh, questions of the day always important to us when we can answer them. And this one is interesting. This comes from Jim, and he says, Hi, my wife has had a stroke. The doc blames moderately high cholesterol and has has put her on, in rehab, on Plavix and Zocor. Also, Colace, I'm not familiar with that drug, C-O-L-A-C-E, and Pepsid-AC as needed. We're concerned about the drug side effects. What would you guys recommend? And 
um, as other options. And uh, Super Don, this kind of sounds like what your dad went through. Uh, yeah, it definitely rang a bell when I was reading this because he was on all of the same things. He mm-hmm. was having the it was uh, like a GERD you know type problem. Barrett's esophagus was the the actual diagnosis, and they have a, had him on not only that, but obviously after the stroke, and they're putting you on blood thinners, you know, and they're giving you this and that, and then he had the C diff, and you know, and it was just like crazy all the stuff that he was on. But yeah, this is, I'm very familiar with this type of situation. One thing leads to ten others, Doctor Batar. All I can say is yes. <laughs> but it's yes. crazy. Okay, with, thank with you. All of the, the ability of a doctor to remember so much to become a doctor, and they can't even read the peer-reviewed literature on cholesterol to yeah, know but that. Robert, here's the thing, though. This is, you know, this is a question that's been posed, and you know, not to minimize the question, but mm-hmm. this is happening about fifty thousand times an hour right yeah. now in our country alone. Same exact situation. There's nothing unique about this. This is standard operating procedure of a person that's had stroke. This is what they all do. This is what every single person that goes to any doctor that has had a stroke is going to be put on. It is, there's nothing, this is like looking at a blade of grass and saying, so what do we think about the blade of grass? Yeah, it's a blade of grass. Hmm. And you look to your right, to your left, north, south, east, west, it's going to be blades of grass. There's no difference to it. It's well, and sad, as long, it's pathetic. It's yeah. it's uh, in my world. It's inadequate. It indicates how how um, primitive medicine really is. But this is reality. Yeah. My dad had a stroke, and they were going to put him on all this stuff. I had to fight tooth and nail. You know, fortunately, a lot of my relatives are 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 doctors, and um, or I should say, unfortunately, but they also <laughs> know that I'm pretty belligerent, and um, you know, they yeah. backed off and. Um, Fortunately for me, my dad listened to me. But I mean, this is a standard thing. Every one of these damn things is a standard thing. Yeah, this is uh, this is good. Your dad listened to you. My mom listened to me. They're still alive and well. That says something. Uh, Super Don, uh, do your uh, parents or kids listen to you? Um, I hope they don't listen to him because of that one habit that he has, and I'm not going to embarrass him on the <laughs> Oh, stop. Jeez, the- Mr. Blackmail over here. <laughs> right, yeah, Dr. Batar's got it over on you, uh, Super Don, so you be nice to him. Uh, well, the second question I've got is... I've Hoofnagel on my side. Watch yes, out. he does have Hoofnagel, the science cat, and he can scratch pretty badly. <laughs> uh, the, the, this second one, Dr. Batar, is interesting because it's kind of in a similar vein. It's kind of a bummer where... Um, you know, one one spouse says, hey, let's go see Dr. Batar. The other spouse is like, no, 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 I'm too scared to, to do something outside of what other doctors are saying. And so this one's directed to you. Um, and then, in fact, this is a family member, a son. His son was diagnosed, uh, Marlene's, I apologize, I'm reading this backwards, but Marlene, the mom, her son was diagnosed um, with Clark's level 4 melanoma on his left calf. My husband and I, she says, tried to get him to see Dr. Batar, but he opted to have surgery. So this son opted to go for surgery, they removed the melanoma, they removed the lymph node. The surgeon then found a tumor behind it, removed more lymph nodes. Two weeks later, after he's removing these things, now he's dealing with lymphedema, even through physical therapy, massage therapy. He's, still, he's wearing compression socks and things. It's like these doctors also just pulling out lymph nodes like they're not necessary. Yeah, and the end of the question is, is there anything else that can be done to help with this? Hmm. Question mark. Yeah. And um, my answer is, Yes. Mm-hmm. Today I'm just I've just got that word today. Yes. Yes is yes. the word of the day for me. 
Yes. Well, I mean, the thing is, though, if, if their son is unwilling to look beyond the allopathic uh, thought forms, which are very, very limiting and, in fact, very dangerous to what they've done to him here instead of really helping him. I know what they've tried to do. They claim to be getting him out of a cancer crisis. But as we know, removing the drainage canal uh, pathways is not the way to go. Robert, you're exactly right. And that's why all I did was answer the question as yes, because <laughs> beyond... Beyond that, you know, they're, they're fighting against the will of their son, mm-hmm. and no matter what we say, it's not going to make any difference. So the answer to the question is yes, there's things that can be done. End of story. Because at this point, that's not the issue. They, at this point, it's, it's actually, and I have to say, for, for a person that's got cancer, you have to give them the dignity and the respect to allow them to make their own decision. Sure. Even though you may or I may know that it's the wrong decision, we still have to give the individual their freedom to choose. Mm -hmm. This is a very, very critical thing for me personally when I'm seeing patients with uh, cancer or with anything for that matter, any type of terminal condition or end-stage condition, and and I have not yet determined if I'm going to take that patient on and the the patient hasn't yet determined, you know, it's it's a consult, so they haven't determined, they're coming to find out. And I give them all the information I possibly can. I I try to give them um, information in a non-biased way. I give them both sides of the story. But the one thing I am painfully cognizant of is that I don't want to say things that you know that I'm going to say specifically. Like, for example, left main disease, somebody comes in, you know, you've got left main disease, uh, you need to have a, a coronary artery bypass graft. Well, I know that chelation is the first line of defense, but I don't want to tell the person that, hey, you're an idiot if you don't do this chelation because, it, you know, you're going to end up getting the surgery and then you're going to have 10 times the rate of atheroma formation, the exact process that's causing the problem right now, will accelerate tenfold, and this isn't me saying it, this is the New England Journal of Medicine saying it in 1983 and published that microscopic vascular damage causes atheroma formation, and atheroma is the body's natural mechanism of protection, and when you go in and do surgery and you cut that vessel open, you're no longer doing microvascular damage, you're doing macrovascular damage, so you're going to have ten times the rate and this is of, of uh, atheroma formation. Well, that's what I want to say, yes. but because I'm politically correct, I'm not going to say that, and here's why I'm not going to say it. It's not because I'm trying to be politically correct. It's because in case that individual decides not to go this route and go the conventional route, when that anesthesiologist tells him to count backwards from 10, what is the last thing that person's going to consciously remember before they are put under anesthetic? Well, that they were also told by another doctor that they're, they're making the wrong decision, that they're stupid. Exactly. I mean, Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They may not remember my name or where I'm at, but they will remember there was somebody else that said they were they were wrong about for making a decision. And here's the thing. Again, the power to heal is yours. That's our message. And it is the message. That is the truth. And if you believe that something can heal you, then there is that possibility that it will heal you. Placebo does work. And, Absolutely. and no matter what we say, there are probably people that have had chemo and that have survived and that are still alive. And there are people that have gone through my treatment Mm-hmm. And no chemo and, and didn't survive. So belief is a very crucial thing, and we should never, ever impede on that belief. So that's one reason that when the question like this is posed, that, you know, I'm going to answer it, yes, there are things that can be done. And leave it at that, because right now the issue for this lady, Marlene, is that she needs to come to terms with the fact that it's her son's decision, it's his life, and if he chooses to do it, then she needs to love him enough to allow him to... to it's, it's hard, because you yes. know what's a better thing, but, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you want to impose your will on your children or on your loved ones, and sometimes that's not, you just can't do that. 
Yeah, I've had to counsel so many over the years, having come to that same conclusion many years ago and trying to help people that didn't want to be helped in the way you wanted to help them, that at a certain point, especially with cancer, and, and you know, Ty has said this as well, is that even if they choose a path that you feel is not the optimal path, you, if they've committed to it, just love them and support them because, you know, they they may be the ones that can survive it because of that love and support. And, and so Exactly, not- and, and here's the thing. Let's say a person comes in, in uh, decides to do it our way. I have mm-hmm. the same issue with their family members that don't agree with that. That they, you have to explain Sabotage. to them and tell them yeah. that look, you need to understand it's not your body, it's not your life, and everybody. You got ten different family members that are all jumping on the bandwagon, and the person there is having to calm everybody down and convince them. I mean, it's it's, it's yeah. amazing to me that these people have such power sometimes that I'm watching them under duress, physical, yes. physiological duress, and now they're having to deal with emotional duress because their families, they're trying to calm their family members down because there's so much discourse about the, the route that they've determined to take in, in the treatment. Yeah. So Whatever, for, our, what, for our patients, the most yeah. crucial thing is when a patient makes that decision, they also have to have a coach. And that right. coach can be a father, a mother, a brother, you know, husband, wife, best friend, whatever it is. But that coach's job is actually more difficult than the patient's job because the, the, the coach, right. his job or her job is to block. Yeah, you got to block the, the the naysayers, those that are yeah. uh, negative on that. And that's the thing: is surround yourself with people who support you. Whatever decision, whatever direction, allopathic, homeopathic, whatever it is, find those who will support you in that decision if that's the way you want to go. Uh, now, let's transition real quick. We got a couple of minutes before our next break, and I wanted to get you to comment on this one: uh, doctors cause copper deficiency by misdiagnosing a need for zinc. What a headline! Yeah, that's a really good headline. It's something I really want to talk about, Robert. But I, I'm going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should keep this for the last segment because I wanted to kind of continue the same point because it okay. comes home. Chloe, is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make sure you had enough time because I knew you were into this this uh, story too. Well, I just want to bring up one thing, and this is something that you can talk about because uh, for the listeners that probably don't know this, but Robert and I go back a long time. You guys do know that. But Robert referred a very, very close friend of his who was a doctor from the U.K. Mm-hmm. with cancer. Right. Uh, she contacted me and Robert. Shall I just? I'm just going to give the summary of that story because it, it comes right back to this very, very point. Sure. Yes. Uh, she came here. She got treatment. She did really well initially, and then she um, took a break, which is after our four week cycle for round one. And then when she started the second cycle, she did not do so well, and she didn't respond as well. Um, well. Let me take this back. She actually didn't respond well in the second, the beginning of the second cycle, but then she started responding really, really well. And overall, the whole gamut was improvement, then dip, and then improvement again. And then she had to leave the U.S. for the visa issue, mm-hmm. and she wanted to know, you know, what should she do. And I recommended maybe she was going to, I think, take a break and go visit some friends. And I told her maybe go to Mexico um, because of a colleague of mine there. She went to Mexico. And, again, I don't know whether we're going to have enough time to finish the story, but basically while she was there, she started deteriorating. And then she made the decision, and Robert, you may want to finish this, about about going with the radiation. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, I know. That's the thing where you start leaving that environment of support and other messages start coming through to dilute the pathway you had committed to. But uh, we're going to commit to coming back to talk to all of y'all here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Advanced Medicine with Dr. Batar after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The information is so good, it requires no expiration date. 
The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, we're just in the midst of sharing a story. Uh, a dear friend of mine who came to see Dr. Bittar, diagnosed with cancer, also a physician, and at a certain point she elected to go a different route uh, into the radiational realm. And we were talking about supporting anybody uh, in, in their decision, supporting people in their decision, not just in a generic, this is a spiritual principle term, but in practical, real-life terms, this is what we were encountering. And, you know, just all I could do is just bless her and love her, no matter what her decision was. And you, you know, as the as the doctor on record at the time, also had a, a similar support for her. Yeah, and it was one of those things that, you know, she called me. I could tell she was leaning that way. She wanted my opinion. I gave her my opinion, and I also told her that, at, you know, my opinion is my opinion. You know, her being a physician herself, she needed to make that decision. And I think one of the most important things that probably, Robert, you and I both did for her was that she knew that our support for her was unconditional. It wasn't just based on whether she went the route that we said or not. Right. And um, and I think that's an important aspect and an important lesson for us all to remember in that we're not just talking about this. We, we, we're not just preaching it. We've actually lived it. Yeah. Um, she was she was really, I mean, I didn't really know her that well, but she became a good friend over the over that eight, ten weeks that she was under treatment here. Um, and uh, you just have to remember that. It's, it's, it's important to maintain the person's dignity and give them the yeah. autonomy that they can control their decisions because that's yeah. the biggest problem with cancer is people feel that they're helpless, that they don't have control anymore. So give them as much ability to have control as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bless them, love them. Uh, all of the gratitude that you can throw their way as a thanks to, to who they are and what they're here to do while their time is here. So uh, thank you for sharing that as well. It was, it was important to revisit. Now now let's, let's step it out to this um, doctor's uh, incorrectly diagnosing zinc deficiency uh, and how it relates to copper. So uh, what do you know about this? This is something you've seen before. Oh, I've been seeing it for years, Robert, for years. Um, This is actually, you have to remember that when you give, when you measure a mineral or a hormone or a vitamin or whatever, when you're measuring it, you're measuring it in a very static manner because some of these things, just like measuring glucose, okay? If you measure it right now, you measure it in three minutes, it's going to be different. But these things are constantly fluctuating. And then also, which vector are you measuring it? In, in the case of minerals, are you looking at the intracellular levels? Are you looking at the extracellular levels? Are you looking at the body reserves? Are you looking at the, um, the, uh, the um, uh, tissue levels? So you'd have to look at spectrophotometry levels to be able to see what's actually in the tissues versus looking at a urinary challenge to see what's actually in the body stores versus looking at the uh, red blood cell to see what the intracellular levels are, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when you look at a mineral level, you are looking at that static uh, amount, and then you say, oh, this one is low. It's relatively low, so we give it more. But when we give more to bring that level back up to what we think is a normal, we are actually creating a relative deficiency or overage of another mineral. This is something important that doctors that are aware of the importance of minerals and metals may not really realize what they're doing when they are giving another mineral because they're actually creating a relative deficiency. By increasing that one particular mineral, that mineral, copper to zinc, for example, copper to zinc should always be in a, zinc to copper should be in a 10 to 1 ratio. All right? So now if you measure zinc and you see zinc is low, and the zinc to copper ratio is fine, and copper levels are normal, and you say, oh, well, zinc levels are low, but zinc to copper ratios are normal, which you don't pay attention to, and copper levels are normal. Now you start giving zinc to bring the zinc levels up. What have you just done? You've created a relative deficiency of copper because the zinc to copper ratio is off now, so the body looks at so much zinc to so much copper, and it should be 10 to 1 ratio, and now you've just changed it to 20 to 1 or 30 to 1, and you've induced a problem. 
Plus, now this is something that we can't really cover in five minutes, but this is, there's another aspect to this, because when you look at these minerals in different vectors, you may see actually high levels of zinc in uh, urinary challenge, but you see low levels of zinc in spectrophotometry levels. And so the, how can a person be high in one and low in one? Well, it's actually talking about what's going on inside the body. And these type of pictures are, are very, very crucial to be able to understand what's going on so that the body, so you can help the body to achieve the ideal balance and allow it to start healing. Well, and, there's metabolic complexity in there, and not everybody sees it in three or four dimensions. Absolutely. And it's, it's interesting that the story, you know, it came out, what, Saturday, June 20th, but yeah, uh, of 2015, and I've been seeing this for at least since 2000. So 15 years we've seen this type of phenomenon. Interesting. Well, that about wraps it up, but what a phenomenal, fascinating uh, discussion, as well as that last story. We didn't get to the extreme exercise leading to blood poisoning. We'll have to follow up on that, but we have discussed uh, extreme uh, exercising and, you know, how you really need to gear up and mineralize as well there, too. But, Dr. Bittard, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you uh, making it so good when I'm so out of touch. <laughs> I was, you were good as always. Thanks, Robert. All right. Thanks, Super Don. Thanks to Doc Newsom as well. Thanks to John on the board. The power to heal is still yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.